0: Hello there, listeners, and welcome to Outer Rim Reads, a podcast that journeys chapter by chapter through various Star Wars novels, both in legends and canon. My name is Andrew Geha, and I will be your host along this journey. This episode will begin season one, in which we will talk through Star Wars Thrawn, Timothy Zahn's first installment in his canonical Thrawn trilogy. Today we'll be covering chapters one and two and I have the honor of having my good friend Douglas Dubois on the show as my first guest host. Welcome Doug, how you doing man?
1: Hey Andrew, I'm doing good thanks and, and thanks so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Just to give uh, uh, the listeners a background on where you stand with Star Wars, where you stand with Thrawn as a character and as this, this book specifically, um, just kind of what's your What's your background with Star Wars? What kind of got you into it and um, what drew you to Thrawn as a character and also to this series that we're going to be jumping into?
1: Yeah, well, I guess I've uh, been a Star Wars fan since I was a kid. Like like most people, I suppose, they get into it. Uh, I got into it back in the OT era. I think that the first film I went to at the cinema was Return of the Jedi and had all the uh, the others on VHS, obviously. And as far as the Thrawn uh, character goes I mean I got into reading the expanded universe novels probably about 10 years ago particularly the uh the sort of post return of the Jedi content uh and was introduced to Thrawn through heir to the empire and and uh obviously sort of fell in love with the character
0: from there yeah, that's uh, actually reading *Heir to the Empire* right now, and it's just very uh, such a fascinating character um, as a whole. And it's his story with the broader overlook with Star Wars is very interesting because he was um, what's what's in now we consider the expanded universe. You know, uh, *Heir to the Empire* dropped in nineteen ninety one, um, and he's been around since then. But then, obviously, Lucasfilm rebranded the EU as Legends now, and you know, since Disney's. Uh, takeover, so to speak. Everything since then is canon. Um, So Thrawn was no longer a canonical figure, but he was such a fan favorite, which is really fascinating. That he was uh, he was brought back. There was it was announced in 2016 that he'd be added back to canon, and um, that he'd be added into the Rebels, uh, the Star Wars Rebels TV show. And this book was published in 2017, and ever since ever since then, he's been brought back by popular demand, which uh, I think is, is so fascinating, especially from from the point that this is a villain that's. Uh, that the fans seem to love so much, and you know, we have we've had that with Palpatine, with Vader, um, these really intriguing characters. And I just think it's it's so fascinating that we're getting a book here from the point of view of of uh, of one of the greatest villains now in Star Wars. And I think that's always such an interesting turn of the table when we can get a point of view um, in a story that centers around how one of the bad guys, so to speak came to be who they are. So I'm really excited to jump into this uh, into this book with you. We'll just get right into chapter one. I'm going to give a summary of the chapter, and then we can jump into the points that we uh, thought were interesting. So okay, here is sure. the chapter summary. Yeah, Let's dive in. In a flashback, Thrawn is exiled into solitude on an unnamed planet for unknown reasons. His leaders are unhappy with the decision, yet stand by what protocol demands of them. Imperial soldiers exploring an unknown planet come across an abandoned encampment, with markings in the rare language Saibisti, written on various crates. Cadet Eli Vanto, the only one present who can speak the language, is ordered to examine the etchings. Suddenly, an Imperial V-Wing fighter crashes further into the surrounding forest. The pilot's body is missing, and his flight suit had been stuffed like a scarecrow. During the examination of the suit at nightfall, the camp is attacked multiple times. The Imperials decide to pull back to the ISD Strikefast, taking the hut and surrounding materials with them. A humanoid emerges from a shuttle in the Strikefast hangar bay and is surrounded by the Imperials. He surrenders without incident. So, this is uh, this chapter as a whole. Um, probably my my biggest takeaway was the the tone of it. It, it was a very uh, dark start. I thought. Um, especially getting in, you know, when you when you look at uh, the aspects of how the imperial encampment was attacked, um, you know, body, you know, flight suits, stuff like scarecrows, multiple casualties from an unknown attacker. It's really kind of a grim start to the book. Um, I don't know if any of that struck you. Just kind of like a, a darker tone, where you know, there's a lar- a big feeling of fear of the unknown in this chapter. I don't know if you have any. Any give on that?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think um, I think we spoke about this off uh, off mic a while ago about how it has a, a great sort of horror aesthetic to it, doesn't it? The, the use of mystery and the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know why it's going to happen. It's sort of classic uh, horror writing tool, isn't it? And it makes to a great start for the novel as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, especially you know, I've I've now read a, a few Star Wars novels and I, I I was not expecting um kind of a horror element to um to the book. That was yeah, the last thing I was expecting and that just added more intrigue, you know, really pulled me in where there was a, there was times when when I was feeling kind of fear and trepidation where, you know, multiple people are dying. Um, You know, explosions are ringing out and, and, you know, from causes that are unknown to the imperial soldiers present. And I think it's really a a great job um, from Timothy Zahn of just drawing us in from the the get-go. And just that—that that image of the pilot's flight suit being stuffed like a scarecrow—is really. Uh, I think that was the—the the moment where I was like, "Okay, this is uh, <laughs> this is taking a turn," I and mean, I'm really, really interested to see what happens. Like, we can assume that it's uh, Thrawn, but the Imperial soldiers, especially uh, from the perspective of Cadet Eli Vanto, who we can take a look into in a bit, they don't—they have no clue what's going on. This is an unknown planet. You know, they're. Uh, kind of ex- exploring this unknown territory with this abandoned hut, it's, it's a lot of intrigue, um, which I thought was just really fascinating.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, and uh, I guess you sort of, each of the chapters kick off with these uh, uh, this small section from Thrawn's point of view, and, and it's completely unrelated, I guess, to, to where we then pick up with, uh, with the Imperials, but that, that gives us as the reader an idea. About what's going on, he's he's sent into exile, isn't he? So, um, and I guess all that we really pick up from that is that something's going on, and this sort of council of uh, council of chess have decided to to exile him, uh, e- even if that wasn't the course they wanted to take. Then we jump into the imperials' uh, sort of point of view, and that's that's sort of all we give to to go on at that point. Uh, so yeah, everything is everything is mystery. Everything's the the motivation behind what's going on is at this point not known to the reader. So it's cool. I enjoyed that part of it.
0: Yeah, I I was really struck by um, you, you had mentioned the initial flashback from from Thrawn's point of view, and you know the big word there, and I've marked it in my text like you know underlined it exile. What did you think of that as as a kickoff for the book? Because I thought it was a very um very fascinating way to start off the chapter to start off the series
1: yeah no uh, absolutely i mean uh having some obviously knowledge of the character from the expanded universe novels um you've already sort of got an idea of the chess and and the uh and the character himself, but we we're starting afresh, so I guess you just have to sort of go on go on what you're given to this point, and they don't give you much. Purposefully, obviously. Uh, and, and like you say, they really, I suppose, emphasized that word exile. And that was the one that stuck out to me, too. I was, we don't know why. Uh, we're given a hint that it's not necessarily the course of action that they want to take, but they feel they have to. And yeah, you're just you left with mystery surrounding it.
0: Yeah, I th- thought that was very, uh, you know, it seems like a very interesting point where the leaders who send them into exile, they don't like that they have to do what they need to do. And from from Vantos, Eli Vantos' knowledge of the, uh, the the different myths and rumors he heard about the loyalty of the Chiss, where they hate the decision that they they did, but they did it because that's what what protocol is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yeah. we're just left wondering what what could have sent them to the point of sending away. Potentially a high ranking military mind in their uh, civilization. You know, what, what was that breaking point? So I think that's just a, a, such a great amount of intrigue, literally, sentences into, um, into the book. But having brought up Eli Vanto. A couple of times now, uh, let's talk about him. He uh, he's a cadet from the Myomar Imperial Academy. Um, he had grown up in on a planet called Lysatra in Wild Space, so it's close to the unknown regions. His family runs a shipping company, um, and I think am I I think I'm correct in that he was the only only cadet from the Strikefast that was sent down. Yeah, that's right. And he's the only one who knows Cybisti, so so he's kind of thrown into this just because kind of unrelated to to his uh, his duties as a cadet but just from the fact that he knows the language um what are your takes on him uh yeah. it's just it, i thought it was very interesting getting the point of view of someone who's really kind of fresh to the imperial scene which in i guess in the grand scope of things you know he doesn't have as much experience as say uh, you know captain park or i think it was uh Baris. i think yeah, Colonel Barris who was kind of leading the ground operation. Uh, yeah, what are your, what are your initial thoughts on Eli Vanto? This this new kid on the scene, the new kid on the block. Um yeah, wh- what do you think?
1: Yeah, so we I guess we're picking things up from this sort of fresh-faced imperial kid who's from the I, I guess the outer reaches of the galaxy and and a lot of what comes through early on in the in the chapter is that kind of imperial uh prejudice against You know people from outside the core worlds and and they're very dismissive of them you know quite insulting at times in in the way they speak to them and and, you know eli himself from from sort of very early on you get the idea that he's got fairly humble ambitions in terms of what he wants to make of himself in the empire he wants to be a a supplies officer or, or something along those lines and um uh, and that tends to be a recurring theme, I think, throughout that that first chapter. Both a that he's he's somewhat looked down upon uh, because of his origins, which is I guess why he's even brought into the story because he has this this knowledge of uh, something from from the unknown regions uh, d- due to their their proximity. Um, and then the other part of his sort of character that you pick up is. So he doesn't really want to even be on this assignment. He just wants to be at the academy. He wants to go through the motions and, and you know, get to that, that goal of being a supplies officer.
0: And I think that's so interesting. You mentioned a kid with humble ambitions. And I think one of the things I love about really diving into the novelizations and the literature in the Star Wars universe especially in books like this where we're taking this um this journey from the point of view of the imperials and with a guy like Eli Vanto you know he's you know he's just trying to to make a living being a you know a supply officer his family runs a shipping business you know he's trying to do something in the grand scheme of things kind of simple and i think a lot of the times we forget that even on the imperial side there there are these guys who are just trying to to make a living uh and i and i really thought that was uh, Uh, kind of like a humbling, fascinating point where, you know, Eli Vanto is just looking to be a shipping officer. Uh, And usually when we think of the Empire, we forget that not everyone is like Darth Vader. You know, not everyone is is Emperor
1: Palpatine. (laughs) Or naval uh, officers or... Uh, those sorts of things, yeah.
0: Which makes this point of view, and, you know, we're, we'll obviously be, be taking this journey through the book through the eyes of Eli Vanto. And I just think it's really fascinating to get this guy who's humble, you know, he's just trying to do his own thing. You know, he doesn't seem to have this sinister aura around him as we get with, like, other characters from the uh, Imperial side of things. Yeah, not at all. He's.
1: Is fairly sort of ambivalent in character, really, isn't he?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's very nicely done by Zahn, kind of just like easing the readers into, uh, into this journey through the eyes of someone who's, you know, pretty simple and, pretty and relatable. relatable for that reason, I suppose. Exactly. You know,
1: uh, m- most of us aren't in an academy to, to become a, an imperial naval officer or a, an admiral or, or, or these sorts of things. So it's a relatable
0: character from the off. Yeah, definitely. In the chapter, you know, the camp is getting attacked multiple times from an unknown attacker. V-Wings are crashing, uh, people are dying, and the stormtroopers get called in. And I just wanted to touch on this because Vanto notes that there's some morale that's brought back to to the Imperials. And I think that's, I I like that. Just because in the movies, um, in the shows, the stormtroopers are often, you know, characterized in this kind of comical uh, <laughs> the um, the sense. Memes. Where, you know, For sure, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so much exactly. of Star they're, Wars they're is memes. memes,
1: I suppose. But uh, <laughs> you know. Their aim, for starters, is, is yeah, notoriously coverage.
0: They seem to have no clue, um, and they're a step I just, up from, from the
1: B one Battle Droid, right. pretty much. All right, yeah. How much <laughs> one of a step up. is it? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> half a step rounds up to a hole, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but but here we are. That the stormtroopers are called in, so so a lot of you know chaos has already ensued, and it's getting bad enough to where they're called down to the scene from the Strike Fast, and. I think it's just it's nice to remember that in this book where we kind of get a more in depth and expanded view of the uh universe the Star Wars universe, so to speak, that these are you know not necessarily the elite of the empire, but you know these are the guys who although they take the front lines in a, in a lot of the fights that we've seen, these are the guys that are called in when things get bad like these these are the guys who can handle that kind of fight where if it gets serious enough. You call the stormtroopers in because up until then it'd just been naval naval troopers, um, yeah, and I think right. it's just a, a nice reminder that you know these are uh, you know these are some like well trained fighters in the Empire, and I just I like that little nod to the stormtroopers, kind of like an <laughs> improved
1: resource, aren't they, from from your your base level? Uh, imperial
0: yeah, trooper. exactly. Here we are laughing about it, but from Eli Vanto and the rest of the naval officers, like yeah, this is uh, they feel like a sense of comfort, you know, that they have. Uh, you know, the, the stoic white-armored troops on the ground that hopefully can bring some, uh, bring some order back. And let's face uh, it, like they're, they're in happen, disarray at that point, too, you know. <laughs> yeah, so exactly.
1: They're in need of a, a morale boost. They've been confounded by these sort of tactics that, that they're utterly confused by.
0: Yeah, they're attacked. A couple more times after that, uh, one of the stormtroopers themselves goes missing, and there's like a, a rigid suit of uh, stormtrooper armor that was kind of like propped up by the uh the shuttle that they were loading things back onto when they decided to pull out and the suit of armor blows up it's like the chaos continues and that brings us back to um where we get introduced to thrawn on the strike fast where colonel barris brings everyone out of the uh, strike fast's hangar they observe the hangar with uh, dimmer lighting from the observation tower and, you know, Thrawn emerges, emerges from a shuttle, picks a new hiding spot, and they surround him. He, he surrenders, you know, without incident. And, uh, yeah, we're introduced to, to the, the main man. Oh, boy. I, I, I like the, the point where, um, you know, when they're all observing this guy, you know, on, when they've, they've faced him, they've confronted him. Vanto notes that he had an air of almost regal confidence around him. And I think that's just a great description into a guy that had just kicked their ass entirely down down on the planet. Like, one man. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if, if you were expecting it to be multiple attackers and, you know, Thrawn was just the one that that hopped on board to their shuttle. Um, I just that that's so fascinating that, that one guy was just able to completely wreck an entire exploration party.
1: Yeah, well, I think it, it came as a big surprise to a lot of the... Uh, imperial characters, but I think uh, was it Park? Was it Captain Park? Uh, I think yeah, is. Captain Park. Uh, Captain yeah. Park. Uh, he was he was obviously a bit more onto it right from the off. He's sort of testing a testing of a theory and uh, and sitting back and and just monitoring the the video, waiting to see what happened. I think to everyone else's surprise, it was this this lone assailant. Um, but already you've got the idea that the. The commanding officer aboard is a bit smarter than yeah. than perhaps uh, some of the ones that have been sent out to do the ground mission. And- exactly,
0: yeah, and it, you know, and, and clearly he is uh, Captain Park is a step ahead of Colonel Barris and the other troops under him. Once we jump into Chapter Two, we'll we'll see how far ahead Thrawn is of Captain Park and how far ahead he was of them all. Um, you know, down on the planet, which I think, like you know, the top Imperial guy there is is even further outclassed by uh by Thron uh,
1: absolutely uh, and you mentioned that that sort of confidence thing that's the first impression you get i think eli even says yes. you know that was that was part of the stories that he's heard
0: uh those sort of myths and legends about the chess yeah was that confidence they're proven to be true right there so um at least initially and and I'll uh, end the chapter with uh, the, kind of like, the, for, this, is, this is from Eli Vanto's perspective that I'll quote the, the book from. But he's observing Thrawn as they are um, confronting him. And he notes that Thrawn is gazing around the Hangar Bay, and I quote, not like a primitive overwhelmed by the size and magnificence of the place, but like another military man sizing up his enemy's strengths and weaknesses. And yeah, confidence. Like, this guy is surrounded. He's the only one on his side he, <laughs> in he an should, entire he Imperial be, Star uh, you know, He should be scared or,
1: or intimidated, right? But
0: right, not yeah. this guy. Uh, not this guy, exactly, which is, which is just, uh, I think, just a great characterization, great description of, uh, of him moving in. That's all the, that, that I've got for, for Chapter 1. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add before jumping into the second.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think we, uh, we
0: covered most of the, the sort of key points there. All right, I will jump into chapter two's summary, and then we can uh, dive in from there. Thrawn wonders where Vanto had learned of the Chiss before and what myths and rumors he knew about them. He proceeds to tell the Imperials how he conducted his ambushes on the camp earlier and warns of dangers in the unknown regions, both to the Chiss and to the Empire. Meanwhile, much to his disappointment, Eli Vanto is assigned to be Thrawn's personal aide and translator. And, much to his surprise, Vanto learns that the Imperials are taking Thrawn to Coruscant. Thrawn, Vanto, and the others involved in the recent events travel to the Imperial Palace, where Thrawn is taken to see Emperor Palpatine. Thrawn attempts to strike a deal with the Emperor, his military skills and information for the Empire's help to the Chiss against impending threats from the Unknown Regions. Thrawn cites one of Palpatine's associates who could vouch for his word. Anakin Skywalker. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. We could just end the episode there, just like that name drop. Because I know up. when I and this is you know I was jumping to the end of the chapter, but ending the summary on that note, uh, might as well you know touch on it. I was totally not expecting that.
1: Not me either. Uh,
0: and and I think you know we we had gotten a little bit kind of like a hint from the first chapter where in. Uh, examining the different materials and crates around the abandoned camp, Vanto had found a coin or a few coins dating back to the Clone Wars era. So we knew that whoever Thrawn is, um, he might have some kind of tie back to that time period. But, you know, even with that bit, I totally was not expecting Anakin Skywalker to be mentioned in, in this book. So I just I thought that was, a, uh, that was just a holy shit moment right there for me absolutely,
1: and obviously, you know, if you if you were a fan of the
0: Thrawn character from uh,
1: previous expanded universe novels, obviously, uh, you know his arc takes place in a a completely different time period to to this one. So I guess as new reader, it was very interesting to to sort of have this Clone Wars era uh, information pop up. I guess that's all part of telling a, a new story about a character that everyone is so familiar with. Yeah, uh, how, how do you do it, but
0: but keep it fresh and new? Exactly, which I, I think it really has done a, a good job about. You know, Park and uh, Park and Thron kind of had this exchange where uh, Thrawn goes through his meticulous attack on the Imperial camp down planet side. Which I'm not going to go into every detail of that, but it's just everything that happened. You know, every from the start of the attack to the end, where they had taken everything back to the strike fast. You know, he just had this plan out from from the start where it was just very meticulous, very very detailed, one one point tied to the next where kind of everything played into his hands and even when the Imperials thought that they were getting the upper hand sending the stormtroopers down, Thrawn let them know, like, yo, that's that's what I wanted. I was I was going to keep attacking until you sent the stormtroopers. So even that point where it's yeah. like the Imperials got their morale back, got their sense of security back, that was still playing right into Thrawn's hands, which I thought was, was just so good.
1: Yeah, well, all these sort of interesting pieces of foreshadowing that we, we picked up during the uh, the attack on the camp uh, sort of neatly explained in, in this sort of handy piece of exposition from, from Zahn. Uh, yeah. But it, it also gives you a really good insight into just how... Clever in, in calculating the character of Thrawn is.
0: Clever in calculating, definitely. I, I could not describe him better at this point. We're given a little bit of insight into why he was exiled. Because, uh, you know, Vanto is translating uh, Thrawn speaking in Cybisti into basic to the Imperial officers, and he, he drops uh, the fact that he was exiled, and they ask him why. And, you know, as a reader, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is exactly what I want to know. And... This, you know, we're, we're met with a bigger question where we thought we might get an answer where um, he notes that he and his, uh, his people had um, disagreed on the point of using preemptive strikes against uh, these threats from the unknown regions that, that are, um, you know, bearing down on, on the Chiss um, and possibly the, the galaxy as a whole. But we don't get anything else than that, you know. We we do get a sense of this ruthless side to Thrawn. Like, okay, this is a guy who is not afraid to act even before a threat has, you know, has has acted itself. What did you take uh, from that from that moment where he he notes that yeah he was trying to use these preemptive strikes and and he got the boot because of it? Yeah, well,
1: I guess we're we're introduced to the idea of this threat in the unknown regions, um, as yet unnamed or undescribed. Uh, and of course, you know you get the idea that Thrones Exile is on the back of him being willing to to go to more extreme measures than than uh, the rest of the the ruling Chess, I suppose, were willing to go. Uh, I guess in addition to that, you you hear it, you get a little bit through Eli about the sort of myths and 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 whatnot, and Eli sort of points out that this cleverness, tactics, and and maintaining control of the situation were all. Hallmarks of the chess, um, uh, so they're obviously you know they're are a lot like Thrawn and that they're they're clever military-minded people, but they're not willing to go that extra step, which which Thrawn obviously was, and and that's been the, I guess the cause of the disagreement.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it just shows you know how how divisive that point can be, where as masterful militarily as. You know, we're, we're given that they are uh, through, f- through Vanto's point of view. At least the, the leaders who exiled him, they're not willing to go to, to I don't know, if, if it's to, to stoop is, to that level or to, or to step <laughs> you know, to that. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. have to worry about the, <laughs> the up, media. Who's holding the press conference there? You know, how do, how do you handle that? <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, you know, <laughs> but preemptive strikes, you know, Thron got the boot. And we're wondering now what, what those threats from the Unknown Regions are. Um, and, you know, kind of true to the name of the Unknown Regions, we don't know anything about them. So, it's just so much intrigue at this point. And the, I suppose the
1: other thing that, that sort of ticked along uh, through that first part of the chapter is, is that kind of budding relationship between Thrawn and Eli, which, which obviously we're going to ride throughout the novel. Uh, which I really liked.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I'm glad that, you know, me. I- I'm glad about it. Eli is pissed that he's now uh, been <laughs> yeah, exactly. been uh, totally derailed from. You know, like like we like we had talked this about is earlier. Not my this path guy just to uh, right to exactly supplies
1: officer, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, this is this isn't in the job description. What am I? <laughs> what's this all about? Um, and, and I think this was kind of. I, I took it to be a funny moment from from Zahn where, you know, after uh, Captain Park assigns Vanto to be Thrawn's translator, his aide and such. Eli's there thinking like, all right, this will be a quick stint. You know, I'm just going to finish this through, go back, tell my friends about it at the Academy, continue life from there. And I think that that paragraph ends with, and I quote, and really, what could go what wrong? Could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> which, Which is just like, all right, sorry, Eli. <laughs> you thought, but uh, it's just like, uh zon just being like actually no this this journey is going to continue and uh you know i'm ready for the ride are, are you uh and vanto is just not having it yeah
1: i mean he's he's afraid to step out of his comfort zone uh, uh and so everything he's is experiencing is new uh just as it is for the reader
0: yeah i can't i can't move on to their um they're arriving to Coruscant in the Imperial Palace without just dropping crate spit, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a term that was, uh, you know, Vanto and and Thrawn were having a little chat. Um, you know, Thrawn was analyzing the heck out of of uh, Eli's body language and just every every move. And there's this one point where Eli's just so, he's, just, he's done with Thrawn at that point and just um, he calls, uh, calls Thrawn out for uh, his crate spit, which sounds like bullshit. You know, I'm, I'm always <laughs> yeah. amused by uh, the equivalence in, in fantasy and it's sci-fi to, yeah, right? <laughs> it's like our first step into there, because I don't know if we've, you know, aside from, I, I don't know how bad scruffy look, looking Nerf Herder is. Oh, but you get some, you maybe, get some
1: huties cursing and uh, your your poodles and yeah, right.
0: <laughs> this is this is something entirely new, fresh. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was a, a, a little
1: funny, funny drop. That exchange between those two as well. It was probably my favorite part of. Uh, well, maybe not my favorite part, but it was mm. right up there as far as this chapter goes. Um, <clears throat> That uh, something we don't really get from Thrawn, particularly in that sort of Air of the Empire series, um, where you are sort of going back and forth between Eli and Thrawn, and from Thrawn you're getting these little subtexts of of analysing micro sort of body language and these sorts of things. It was, it was cool. It was really
0: interestingly written. It really was, you know. And, and it kind of made, you know, made me aware of how how much we can give away by our demeanor and our expressions, but how how maybe how little we realize it. And there Thrawn is just breaking that down. Um, kind of just you know, Eli's just sitting there talking and Thrawn's learning so much through like every, you know, flush of his face and, you know, kind of like the tightening of his skin around like the mouth when he's like, you know, getting frustrated. It's just totally breaking him down. And I yeah. th- I thought that was a really great exchange. Um, learned that. a lot about, you know, Thrawn's brilliance. And so yeah, they, they go to Coruscant to the Imperial Palace, much to Eli's uh, surprise and to everyone else in the shuttles' uh, trepidation, because you know Eli notes that some of the guards there are just looking uh, genuinely terrified, and he said that there were dark stories about what the Emperor did to uh, with people who'd failed him, and you know obviously because the because the planet side um, exploration operation just. They got their ass kicked um so you know how they're going to answer to the emperor to to that failure and meanwhile here we are like kind of like licking our lips like yo we're back to see palpatine like yeah two (laughs) two chapters in (laughs) and this is great (laughs) um and i I was so intrigued here and and kind of like the whole the whole procession the whole sequence when they enter the throne room and are walking down down the aisle to uh, face Palpatine, is so chilling and gripping, um, where when they enter the room, Vanto is like, oh, like, you know, the Emperor kind of looks like a average guy, you know, not really this, uh, you know, doesn't have like <laughs> fancy clothes on, his throne's kind of kind of simple. And I love the next part when they get closer, because uh, Zahn writes, it was as the group drew closer that the eeriness began. And I'm just going to read a a section out of the the book about Eli's observation of the emperor. And it goes, A shiver ran up Eli's back. The eyes, speaking of the uh, Emperor Palpatine, The eyes were bright and intelligent, all-knowing and utterly powerful. But they were strange, unique, disturbing, damaged, perhaps by the same treachery that that had ravaged his face. Intelligence, knowledge, power— and even more than with Thrawn, a sense of complete mastery over everything around him. Doug, what are your thoughts on that whole scene, that whole sequence?
1: Well, that's the that's the Emperor we all know and love, isn't it? Uh, brilliantly described by uh, by Zion in this in this uh, section of the the chapter. Uh, I think any of us, when faced with uh, with Palpatine, this sort of wizened, shriveled. Uh, old man can can possibly be <laughs> the scariest thing you've ever seen
0: in your life. <laughs> I just thought about Battlefront Two, <laughs> where uh, where I think Ray's one of Ray's uh, voice lines when she faces Palpatine is "You shriveled old man," and <laughs> yeah. I think you just dropped that in there. It's like, hey, you know, plug you, right you there. don't
1: expect shriveled old men to be intimidating, and and this guy, this guy
0: obviously is. <laughs> just with his eyes, like just everything around his aura is just intimidating and powerful and I, I just yeah i think timothy's on like hats off to him i'm not even wearing a hat i wish i had one just to tip <laughs> it to him um because i think yeah like you said he described the emperor and and everything about him in this scene so brilliantly and we we get more confirmation about thrawn's boldness where all right park captain park is there offering thrawn as uh, quote-unquote a gift um, to Palpatine, and Thrawn goes uh, goes on to speak out of turn to the Emperor, and like yeah, tries to strike a deal with him. You know, offering his military skills and tactics and information that he knows about the unknown regions uh, to the Emperor and the Empire um, for you know the future help of the Empire to uh, to the Chiss. And I don't know, like you know, we we'd already got this this image of confidence, but this seems like next level addressing the emperor of the you know the emperor uh you know who we know like we know what he's capable of as, as a reader in our past experiences but there's this guy who's never encountered him before clearly there's something about him that's just awe-inspiring and he speaks out of turn and tries to bargain with him i mean that's
1: yeah it's a perfect illustration of that sheer confidence in his own ability isn't it i mean from from that the part of the chapter i suppose where we're arriving in Coruscant, First you have Eli or, you know, sort of the reader's point of view, like that first time you ever see Corazon and sort of wide-eyed fascination uh, at this massive cityscape. And then you see in the shuttle just as they (laughs) they start to realise that they're heading towards the Imperial Palace, people start to get a bit more nervous when they get to the palace and they realise they're being taken straight to the Empire, then, you know, the the highest-ranking Imperial official along for the ride is... Is getting pretty nervous. Um, you get right up to this guy's face, and everyone's pretty much bricking it. And Thrawn's casual as you like. I'll, I'll speak out of turn. I'll uh, I'll tell you what I can do for you. Is uh, yeah, it's just showing his confidence off again and again and again, and and it seems to be boundless.
0: Yeah. See, yeah, it seems like you're wondering, like, all right, this is you know, if there was ever a moment where this would come back to bite him in the butt it would be now but you know it seems to you know he takes the uh, the emperor's attention especially with his name drop at the end where he he calls on the name of Anakin Skywalker to vouch for his word and you know i'm not going to to go into the emperor's reaction because that's for uh, next episode for chapter 3 but you know as a as a reader we can just imagine maybe maybe even the emperor just leaning forward in his seat like Wait, hold yeah. up! How do you know?
1: That little flash of the little flash of yellow in the eyes, perhaps.
0: Yeah, you know, if his his eyes were already yellow from you know the, the Sithness. You know, it just like takes on some some like a you know flash of like neon, like highlighter yellow, maybe get some more shades in there. Flash yeah, in, the high of yeah, flash in the eye beams. Yeah, flashing the Turn on his brights. <laughs> what a way to end the chapter, where um you know we're wondering you know, and, and Thrawn says that if he pledges his uh, his service to the Empire like he would be loyal to Palpatine. Mm. Um, and, you know, from a, from a larger point of view, like we know that he ends up joining the Empire. You know, he's giving his word that he would serve the Emperor. And we're, yeah, we're left wondering, all right, what's, what's going to happen next? You know, he's, he's name-dropped Anakin Skywalker. And none of us were expecting that. Maybe the Emperor wasn't too. I don't know. But I just thought that was such a, a great way for the chapter to end where it's, if there was ever like a cliffhanger in a book... Having that, the second chapter, hang on, you know, kind of just drop off a cliff at the end. Like, it's, it was perfectly done.
1: I, I casually uh, know this guy you might know, Anakin Skywalker. He talked about you a little bit. S- just spit out my coffee right now. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just, just name drop in passing. Casual as you Yeah, uh, like. casual.
0: <laughs> casual. Yeah, that, that, uh, that leaves us to the end of chapter two um, and the end of this episode. Is there anything that else that you'd like to add? Um, any other thoughts from the chapter as we uh, close up? Yeah, well, I guess
1: uh, just overall from from the first two sort of the first two chapters of the book, I'm already getting into enjoying sort of Eli Vanto's character, his his point of view, sort of style of um, of following the uh, the other main character in, in Thrawn, and then I also really enjoyed the little sort of musings from Thrawn at the start of each chapter, and of course that that brilliant exchange where you're sort of in Thrawn's head and you're picking up those little bits of. Of uh, body language etc uh, where he's analyzing Eli whilst telling him he's not interrogating him um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> I, I, re- I really really enjoyed that as um, that was something I, I hadn't expected from the book and, and that was a big bonus and then of course the, uh, the whole meeting the Emperor in, in the second chapter and and the name drop of Skywalker uh, I was immediately hooked by this point
0: yeah, it was uh, brilliant writing by by Zahn. and yeah, br- brilliant way to just captivate the audience and diving into this journey, especially through the through the eyes of, of, of Vanto. I think that's going to turn out to be a really fascinating point of view as as we move on into further chapters. But and um, you know, as for chapters one and two, that concludes the episode. Doug, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show for uh, helping me kick off this journey. Yeah, I, I really can't uh, can't thank you enough, man. You know, this has been a, a fun time. I. Uh, and i just into a really intriguing book. And I'm glad to have uh, been able to share this time with you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'll be listening into subsequent episodes. And
0: if you ever get a chance to come back on, we'll be more than happy. I'll be more than happy to have you, man. Listeners, that will wrap things up for Season 1, Episode 1 of Outer Rim Reads. Thank you so much for listening and for choosing to embark on this journey with me. I'm excited to see what's more to come. If you're interested in following the podcast, we do have a Twitter account, at Outer Rim Read Pod. And if you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes from the show, feel free to subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. Outer Rim Reads is created by Andrew Geha, it's edited by Andrew Geha, and it's produced by Andrew Geha. And we'll be back in two weeks with episode two. So until then, listeners... Pour yourself a glass of spodka, sit back, and enjoy. This is where the fun begins.